I'm going to ask if you stand back up. I want to lead some word of prayer as we start tonight. Please stand. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, we come tonight. We're thankful uh, for this opportunity. We're thankful for tonight. We're thankful for the word of God, a living God. We're thankful for a living word that's uh, sharper than a double-edged sword that speaks to us tonight. And so we come, Lord, tonight and on this night, I pray uh, that we would hear from you, that we would see you, that our, that our minds and our hearts would understand maybe a little uh, more tonight, and I pray that the result of that would be true worship offered up unto you. You are worthy. Lord, again, we pray that you would lead us, bless us, guide us, convict us, build us up, equip us in the study of your word tonight. We're thankful for it, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Tonight, we're going to continue our series, Praise God for Who He Is. Uh, in it, we are looking at 22 aspects or qualities or characteristics or attributes uh, of our God. I'm not sure which one of those is the best word, but we're going to look at uh, 22 characteristics of our God. Now, as we start back tonight, uh, I want you to, to be aware what we are doing uh, really is going through a master class on worship. And that's what we're doing here tonight. That's what we're doing in this effort on Sunday nights. Really, we are going through a master class uh, on worship. That is what this is. Uh, when we are done with this study, if you listen, uh, you can tell people you have a master's degree in worship uh, when we finish this series. Now, what I mean by that is this. We are learning to worship God. We are learning to really appreciate God on a deeper level. Now, I'll just tell you, uh, I think about my life growing up. I think about times uh, that I was really seeking to worship God. I wish that I would have had uh, some sort of teaching like this, and that's what we're doing. Uh, we're seeking really to, to worship God, to appreciate God on a deeper level. Now, let me explain that to you. See, when we, we start to walk with God, and we've put our trust in God, in Jesus Christ, uh, maybe we are a younger person, maybe we are an older person, but then uh, when we start to endeavor to worship him, and that becomes uh, the desire of our heart, we want to worship him, we want to know him, uh, the, the reality is we start by praising God and thanking God and then recognizing God for what he has done, especially what he has done for us. Now, that is the normal thing. I believe that is the normal process, and that is a good thing. If you think about it, we desire to walk with God. We now have a growing desire to worship God, and so we start to thank Him for the food that we eat, uh, the prayer that our kids say. Uh, we start to thank Him for a good day, and then we start to recognize Him as the provider of food, the provider of good days. And that really is our starting place. Then that begins to grow, and we thank him for our salvation uh, that we receive by faith in Jesus Christ. Then, because we're thankful for that, we praise him for that, uh, we start to recognize him and grow in our understanding of him as our Savior. And that is good, and we should do that. But understand, that is a very basic level of worship. That is the starting place. That is a very basic level of worship. 
You see, what we will find is God will sometimes not do what it is we desire. Have you ever found that to be true? I think this ought to happen. I want this thing. And God sometimes will not do what we desire for him to do. Sometimes God will not use our timetable. And you think, you know what, this needs to happen like this and a better time for that to happen would be right then. And God will not use our timetable. Or maybe sometimes in the course of our life, God seems distant to us. And lots of times we will not understand what God is doing. And maybe something happens and we can't understand why this thing has happened. It doesn't seem like a good thing to happen at that time. And there are times when we cannot understand what God is doing. And so if we have a worship that is based upon what God has done and what God is doing, worship will become hard for us in those times. Maybe you can relate to that. I'm not sure what God is doing. I, I really don't understand what God is doing. And even in those hard times, our worship may cease. But when our worship becomes deeper, because it is based on who he is and not just what he has done, our faith becomes deeper and our trust in God becomes deeper. And I'll just tell you very honestly, in our love for God becomes deeper. And as a result of all of that, our worship becomes deeper. It's not based upon what he has done. That's awesome. It's not based upon what he is doing. He does mighty things. But when it's based upon who he is, our trust, our faith, our love, and thus our worship becomes deeper. So understand, our endeavor in this study, our endeavor on Sunday nights, is to see what God does and what he has done is because of who he is. And so we say, man, he's done tremendous things. We're gonna see what he does and what he has done is because of who he is. And we are stronger and our foundation is stronger. We are better equipped when we know who God is. Now that's a, a long way to get to the place of saying, therefore, we praise God for who he is. This is our master class uh, on the subject of worship. Last week we started, and it was really a, a huge start. It was a big start. Uh, we saw last week, my God is holy. Now that is a heavy concept. That is a profound concept. And we talked about what it means that our God, my God, is holy. Well, tonight we move along and we see he is eternal. He is eternal. Now, as we begin tonight, I'm going to go ahead and warn you, just like last week was deep and heavy, uh, this week will be as well. He is eternal. Our God is eternal. Now, I want you to recognize as we, as we move into our subject tonight this is one of the most frequent descriptions that God gives us of himself. Now, remember, through his word, he is revealing himself to us. Well, as we study his word, this is one of the most frequent descriptions that God gives us of himself. And so understand this, he wants us to know this. 
He wants us to understand this. And so again, one of the most, more frequent descriptions he gives us of himself is that he is eternal. You go all the way through the pages of the Old Testament, also the New Testament, it tells us he is eternal. Now tonight we could have uh, looked at many, many different verses. There are many places we could have landed on uh, to have this discussion tonight. He is eternal. So what does that mean? He is eternal. What does that mean? Well, first off, the word eternal, it means existing forever without an end or a beginning. He, he is eternal. The word eternal means existing forever without an end or a beginning. One of the synonyms found in Scripture is the word everlasting. Sometimes it says eternal. Many times it says also the word everlasting. He is an eternal God. He is an everlasting God. Well, when that is applied, therefore to God, it means God exists eternally. He exists forever. He has no beginning and he has no ending. He actually literally is an everlasting God. Now, one of the great places this shows up, and again, there are many of them, but I, I like this account, and it's, I think it's a good place for us to study tonight. Uh, one of the great places this shows up is in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14. I remember in Exodus chapter 3, as we, as we come up to that place, God calls Moses to go and deliver his people from slavery in Egypt. I remember his job is he is going to need to enlist the Hebrews and he is going to need to confront Pharaoh. And so he has to go and get the Hebrews ready to go and then he has to go and confront Pharaoh. Now both of those are big jobs. Both of those are a huge task uh, for an 80-year-old guy who's been out uh, as a sheep herder. So that's what he's tasked with doing. Uh, that's what he's going to set off to do. After some discussion, uh, he says that he will go, but then he asks God, who am I supposed to tell them has sent me? Now, he's just being logical here. Uh, many of these folks, I've been gone out here in Midian for 40 years, Many of these folks, in fact, most of these folks, they don't know who I am. I have no clout there. I have no power there. Why would they listen to me? And that's what he's wondering. I'm supposed to go and do these things. Why would they ever listen to me? And he wonders, who am I supposed to tell them has sent me? He actually asked God, God, I will do this thing, but who am I supposed to tell them has sent me? The answer is found in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14. God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. I am who I am has sent you. That's what he says. Tell them I am has sent you. Later in the 15th chapter, uh, God says that this is his forever name. I think it's interesting, uh, all of these thousands of years later, we're still talking about this name. God says this is his forever name. This is the name that he is to be remembered by. I am who I am. Now that's strange enough. 
Now, that's kind of a weird answer. Think about it. He's going to go into town and say, well, who sent you? Well, I am who I am sent me. Uh, that doesn't seem to really answer the question. Now, that is strange enough, uh, but it's going to get even stranger. Uh, I am in the Hebrew is not just the simple verb to be. Now, it would be pretty profound if it were just that, but it's not just that. It is a phrase, now listen to this, that literally translates, that which will be, I am, that which will be. So who sent you? Here's your answer. That which will be, I am, that which will be. Now, that's, that's pretty wild, uh, but translating that to English uh, becomes even more complicated uh, really, if it doesn't just become flat crazy. Uh, in English, we would say this. Now, just try and listen. I be what's been while I be being, being what will be. And that's how we would translate that from the Hebrew to the English. That's what he says. Who sent, who sent you? I be what's been while I be being, being what will be. Now, that's hard. And so I tried to translate that even further into Route 2 English uh, where I grew up. Here's what I came up with. Here's Route 2 English. I am what I was while I am being what I will be, and what I was is what I am will be being. Now that's simple enough, isn't it? I read somewhere somebody else, they said it like this. I was wasing, I be being, I is ising. All at once, all those verb tenses all at once. I hope our English teachers in here are okay tonight. <laughs> the point is this. Here's what God says. Who sent you? Why should we listen? On whose authority? Why are we going to listen? The point is this. God is and was and will be because God is eternal God. There has never been and there will never be a point or a place where God hasn't been or will not be eternal God. God is eternal God because he is everlasting. Now, that's a big idea. That's a big concept. He is everlasting. Now, when I think about that, um, I, I was thinking about when Brenda prayed a minute ago, she prayed that we wouldn't understand. That's kind of a weird prayer. Uh, but really, when we read this, we can't understand this. And I think that's supposed to, to, to maybe, maybe cause us to, to see our limitation and to see how awesome he is. And we're supposed to worship from that. Uh, the, the problem here, what seems crazy is here, is we are trying to use words to describe what is indescribable. Happened to us last week. And so we're trying to use words, the best ones we can, to describe what is indescribable. So tonight, what does that mean for us? What does it mean to us? And so he is eternal. What does that mean to us tonight? Now we could go on and on, I think, and we can make a giant list of things to talk about, uh, but I picked out some things tonight for us to consider. What does that mean for us? First is this. He is eternal means our God is self-existent. He is eternal means this. Our God is self-existent. No one or no thing is responsible for his creation. 
You say, well, where did he come from? Think about that. Where did he come from? He has no start. Well, where, where, hold on a moment. Where did he come from? He has no start. Well, he's, he is self-existent. Did he create himself? He's not created. He didn't create himself. He's not created. There was never a point when he wasn't, wasn't he? When he wasn't being, being. There, there's no point. He is truly self-existent. We can't understand that. He is eternal means. Our God is self-sufficient. And what that means is he depends on no one. If it doesn't rain, it doesn't bother him. If there's no food, if there's a drought, it doesn't bother him. He depends on no one or no thing to exist or to continue to exist. He doesn't need anything. He is self-sufficient. He is eternal. It means our God is everlasting. That's the word again that is interchanged many times in scripture. Our God is everlasting. It means he doesn't run out. He doesn't expire. He doesn't taper off. We talked about that last week as well. Our God's not tapering off. He's not aging. He's not becoming weaker. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28, it's part of the song we were singing earlier. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth does not become weary or tired. Our God is everlasting. He is eternal. That means, again, from last week, he is holy. He is unlike anyone or anything else. He is eternal. That also means he is holy. No one or no thing is eternal. Now, let me explain something. Now, by faith in Christ, we are told or we are said to have eternal life. Now, what that means is we now possess a life that does not end, a life without end. We have eternal life. But listen, we had a start. There was a time when we did not exist. God himself is eternal. There is no one, no thing that is eternal. Now try to think about that. Name somebody or something that's eternal. You can't do it. There's no thing. There's no one that is eternal because he alone is eternal. He is eternal. It also means he is outside of time. He is outside of time. Now you can go crazy on this one. Before there was time or any way or anything that we would measure time with, no marker of time, he exists. And so there's no way to measure when he was. And so we, 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 we have these markers of time. The sun goes up, the sun goes down. We have four seasons in the year. We have all these years that we can mark. We remember when the tree was little, now the tree is big. We remember when our grandfather was alive, we now see his grandkids. Before there was a way to measure time, before there was a marker of time, he exists and there's no way to measure when that was. He always was, but we can't measure what it was. That's crazy. With creation, he starts time. Then one day, the Bible tells us in our study of Revelation, time will be no more and he will still be. That brings us to this one. He is eternal. 
What does that mean? It means this. He is transcendent. He is transcendent. That's a word we looked at last week. It means this. We have no experience or knowledge with which to understand him by. We have, he is transcendent. We have no experience that we can say, well, it was like that or somewhat like that. We have no experience or knowledge with which to understand him by. Now you say, why is that? Because all we know is time. Everything we know is, is and understand, it's fixed in time. And so we're sitting here trying to understand him being before time, but you know what we're doing when we do that? We're using time as a marker. And so here's time, and he's before time. We try to go before that. We can't understand the hugeness of being eternal. He is transcendent. We don't have the tools, the knowledge, or an experience that would help us understand that. He is eternal. It means, listen to this one, he is dependable and trustworthy. He does not change. Scripture tells us that. As he was, he is. And as he is, he will always be. And so understand, when we go through our study and when we see his goodness, when we see his mercy shown to sinners, when we see his justice and how it's perfectly upheld, those also are part of his eternalness. He was always those things. He is those things. He will always be those things. And so listen, we can depend on him. That's what we can count on. We can trust him. He is eternal. It means he reigns forever and his kingdom is forever. Psalm 145 verse 13 says, your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Why? Because he's an everlasting God. And your dominion endures throughout all generations. That means he is in control. He has always been in control. He's never lost control. He will always be in control. Psalm 90, verse 2, this is the prayer of Moses. It says, before the mountains were born, or you gave birth to the earth, the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. He is eternal. Moses was prepared. Who should I tell them has sent me? They're going to doubt me. There's going to be hard things that might cause them to question. They're going to wonder why they should listen to me. He is preparing. Who should I tell them has sent me? Tonight we are preparing. Who do we turn to? Why do we turn to him? Who do we seek? Who do we trust? Where is our help? Is our help somewhere out here in this world? Where is our answer? Where are we going to look for our answer? We also are preparing, and the answer is this. It is our eternal God. He is eternal. I'm going to ask if you stand, please. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. During Father, we come, we're thankful for this truth about you, for this reality about you. You are eternal. You are everlasting you are unchanging, you are trustworthy, you are dependable, you're self-existent.
You're self-sufficient. Your, your power, we can't understand it. Uh, your knowledge is eternal as well. We, we come tonight and we, we try to, to understand this and all we can do is say, God, you're not like us and you're above us and you're worthy of our worship and you're worthy of, of, of really our lives given to you. And then when we see that that eternal God sees a sinful person and sends his son Jesus that we might have eternal life, that we might go into eternity with a life that will not end, not of any work that we did ever do, but in the grace of God and the forgiveness of our sin in the love of an eternal God. Lord, we praise you tonight. We worship you tonight. Lord, I pray that we would be mindful tonight, that we would think about your word, think about your truth. And I pray as we remember you are holy and now as we stack upon that, that you are eternal. I pray, Lord, that our, our, the depth of our trust and our faith and our love for you is growing and has grown. And I pray, Lord, that our, our worship follows in step. Uh, we tell you, Lord, we praise you tonight. We thank you. We worship you. We exalt you. We love you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.